You have found us again. It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thank you for taking time with us. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi, Alan. Hey, good afternoon, Fred. Good afternoon, and we're happy to have with us once again from Sweden, automotive consultant and publisher of The Dispatcher, Michael Senna. Good to see you, Michael. Good evening to you both. We are getting the jump on the July edition of The Dispatcher, where the lead article is focused on the Princeton Smart Driving Cars Summit, which took place earlier this month. And Michael, you're really taking a look at the importance of what took place and the previous summits that led up to it. Well, unfortunately, I wasn't able to be there. Um, and and that's, that's part of the reason why that this, this write-up of the summit is doesn't include all of the, the detail which I've had in in, uh, in previous issues when I've when we have had the summit, where I've reported on each one of the the sessions panels that we've had. Uh, I'm sure, based on all of the information that I've gotten from Alan and and uh, and from others who who participated in the summit, it was all there. It all came together. Uh, but what I've tried to do in in the this issue of the dispatcher is to put it all in perspective. I mean, we've this is the fifth summit. There are four before, and all of those were sort of a, a preamble. They were leading up to what was supposed to happen and what, from all accounts, actually did happen. This summit was a kickoff to what will be a demonstration of all the ideas that have been discussed and kicked about and, and thought about in between this, the, uh, the summits for providing mobility to people who really need a ride. So for those who were there and for those who, many of those who weren't able to be there, I've put into the dispatcher what led up to this particular summit how it all came together and what it means going forward. And you were able to see some of it, I think, uh, streaming a, a few, a few of the, few of the sessions. Yes, right? yes, I was, I was able to, to, uh, to be there on, on um, my Friday evening, Friday morning, when, uh, when things were, where the panel discussions were just beginning to, uh, to, to kick off. Uh, it, it, it looked like the previous summits, although. One of the things that, that I've described in, in, the, um, in the dispatcher is that initially it was going to be in Trenton. Every, all of the events were going to be in Trenton and it was going to be an event, but things didn't exactly work out that way. And I think it's important that we understand why and what that means for how this is going to be developing over the course of the, of, hopefully the next the next two years. Alan might want to jump in here and, and comment on the 
on the the events that led up to the to the summit. It was delayed by by a month, which is the reason that I wasn't able to be there because I had made made plans. I hadn't been in the states for three years, and uh, it, it was a matter of, of putting family and and mostly family and friends um, and organizing things to be there, and then not at the last moment, but at the last moment for me, uh, we had to change the date from the beginning of May to the beginning of June, which meant that uh, I wasn't able to go back there at uh, one month later. But I'm yes, gonna... we, we did have to delay it. Uh, it was unfortunately we delayed it. Actually, we delayed it. Originally, it was scheduled to be in, in November. Uh, yeah. of the, the previous year and it's a good thing we didn't do it then um uh because we really weren't ready um in in may it would have been good but uh, but as it turned out may um again with the uh, things hanging around with uh, from the uh, from the pandemic and so on and and the university uh, really university activities university still trying to uh, get to graduation and actually we had two graduations this year we had graduation for the class of 2020 as well as graduation uh, five days later for the class of 2022 because of course we didn't weren't able to have graduation for the class of 2020 and so that with reunions and a whole bunch of other things i mean it was it was going to be a, a challenge and as it turned out, I think um, all for the better, because um, except for missing Michael, and that was a big miss. Essentially, everybody else showed up, came in, participated. And, uh, and it's, it's the kind of participation, instead of people getting up there and giving a, sort of what might be called a stump speech. I mean, people were engaged and, and engaged uh, really to... Uh, to try to to get to a to a to a point in which one is is delivering mobility to society uh, with this technology, and I think that is the fundamental difference here. You know, we've spent um, all this time up to this point with this technology, doing um, doing testing and trying to get it someplace. And, and yes, um, we, we have uh, made vehicles safer, probably, that we drive, and we have uh, delivered comfort and convenience uh, and beginning to deliver comfort and convenience. But in terms of delivering mobility to people, and especially mobility to people who, um, who unfortunately don't have a, a great opportunity for mobility. This is not, you know, the now the 15th different way that you can get from A to B. And geez, let me see which one, which one suits me the best today. Uh, this is really an attempt to provide mobility to people that, um, you know, really uh, don't have it. And, uh, and this is becoming, it seems to be becoming an important thing that, that you know, once one deals with the equity piece of this thing, and I think what we've finally gotten out there to a discussion stage is, is looking at, at what, it, what has existed up to now, an enormous disparity between the haves and have-nots in the mobility space. And the haves and have-nots are, are basically uh, those that, <laughs> that uh, have access uh, for the, all the various 
reasons they may have access to be able to do mobility for themselves and deliver it for themselves. And my goodness, uh, the opportunities there are, you know, are essentially ubiquitous. Anytime, any place, anywhere, blah, 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 boom, you go. Uh, as opposed to those that have to, that don't have that opportunity to deliver it for themselves, to themselves, and need to have someone else deliver it for them. Uh, and when one looks at um, the mobility opportunities that are provided for them, then it's, it's quite, it really is a stark difference. And I think that, um, that that's what the equity is, issue is, is coming down to, is trying to say, oh my goodness, if, if one has now this, this, this gift of this technology, that basically it's just sitting around waiting for you, to, waiting to be used. And all of a sudden, um, that opportunity to have mobility essentially at any time, um, maybe not anywhere yet, but maybe to a number of places, uh, becomes an opportunity uh, to put out there without going bankrupt trying to do it. It's not that people haven't wanted to do that. It's just that people haven't been able to afford to do that because it turns out in the past, if you had to have a, a person standing by along with the, the technology, the wheels, the Roman wheels to be able to get you to where you want to go. Unfortunately, that person standing by is, is, is very challenging. And it was great to have Catherine Freud again at, at the summit because Catherine just kind of brings this whole thing out on you know, her efforts for uh, however long she's been at it, 20 more years uh, trying to get volunteers to provide affordable mobility to seniors. Here she's had, you know, she hasn't had the opportunity to have a technology do it. She needed a volunteer. Why? Because the volunteer, uh, by definition, does it close to for free. Yeah. And therefore, it's, it makes it affordable and doable. But the efforts one needs to make to be able to attract volunteers to do this, uh, thank goodness we have some, but that is a very limited supply. All of a sudden, you, you can go and maybe with a technology, this thing, and it's your volunteer. Yeah. And what, it's your, what, you know. what, what, what was what I what I found in the in the in the previous summits leading leading up to this? You would make someone would would make it a a a, a speech about you know autonomous vehicles, which is a is a difficult word in itself. Um, and people would focus on the, on the technology. It's, and so the, the discussions might start out with, why are we doing this? But it always ended up, it always seemed to end up with, with a discussion around how is it going to be done? How are we going to get these cars to work? And the people who were doing it, like the Waymos and Argos and Cruises, didn't show up. They, they weren't there to discuss their technology because, well, they had other things to do. They were, they were doing their prototypes and they were doing their tests and they were doing them in areas where they could be, they could show the technology without having to discuss why they were 
putting a lot of money, a lot of resources into this. The, the issue never focused on what is the benefit to society for doing something like this? Do we really need to have cars that drive themselves when we're doing a pretty decent job with, especially with the technology that's going into the vehicles today, we're doing a pretty decent job of, of getting cars on the road and driving cars and doing everything that we need to do as long as we can afford it. But I think starting with the last summit, which ran over a period of what, four months or five months, we were able to get into the, the, the why in almost every single one of the panel discussions. Even, even in those discussions where we discussed, you know, who will build it and, and how will they be distributed and, and all, of, you know, all of those discussions, who's gonna, what's the insurance gonna be like and so on. We always came back to the, the, the primary issue for smart driving cars, which was these cars need to do something that will benefit society. And that also gets to the issue of why this, the, the test, the pilot project is being done in Trenton. Trenton, a city of you know, almost 90,000 people, but it was, it was 128,000 people at one point in the 50s. Why it's being done there and not being done in San Francisco or New York City or Berlin or London or Paris or Rome, or you know, one of these cities where there are plenty of people around who can afford about to get in a taxi and 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 get to work or go wherever they want to go all the time and not not worry about a car. They have plenty of money to put a car into a garage, leave it there, and and get around with taxis or Uber, whatever. And what what I think was clear that came out in this summit. And the discussions that were held, even though I wasn't there, I saw the I saw what was being discussed and who was participating. They focused on the benefit to society for having vehicles that could be driven to provide mobility for people to get to work, to get to to the hospitals, to get to to get to places where they could afford to to buy the goods that they need in a community where the availability of transport is not at the highest level and the, the availability or the ability to have their personal vehicle to be able to drive cars is also low because of the, of the economic situation. And that was what came through. And what I've tried to, to, to put into context here, that's what came through in the summit and sets the, it sets the stage. And I think in a very, very good way for what's going to happen now, what will be what will be the next steps? The commitments that you've got from gotten from the city, from the from the state, and as well as from the the federal government, the the Department of Transportation, to be able to show these companies like Waymo and Cruz and 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 their owners, GM and Amazon and and others, SoftBank, that. This is where things should be doing. This is where we should be spending our time and our effort and our money, not giving rides to people in places where they can afford to have their own cars or two cars or three cars and the kids at 16 years old can drive themselves to school. This is a place where, where people need to have a ride. And the solution 
that's being provided is a way of getting the major cost out of the equation to be able to put four wheels under one, two, four, or eight people to get them to where they need to go. And I think that 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 this is a, a really major step and it should be recognized as a major step. Well, uh, uh, thank you for saying that, uh, Michael, because that's that's really what it is. And the, and I think the the in addition to having the mayor, governor, um, uh, commissioner, and so on, the leaders, uh, so-called leaders of the community on board, it turns out that the community's on board. Mm -hmm. I mean, the 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 the. the, the Support from the um, uh, commissioner of education, the, the principal of the high school. I mean, you know, how often do you hear some principal tell you that that uh, truancy is directly proportional to how far away the kid lives from the school? Uh, and probably most schools know that. And, and, sure. and the way and, you know, and and in places, you know, we go through an enormous amount of, of, of work to, to, to provide a a school bus transportation uh, to kids. And it's, you know, it, no wonder nobody ever takes a bus after they live through a school bus transportation system. It, it, it you know, they, they're on there a lot. And, and, and this is a way to get, you know, just do simple things, get kids to school, get kids across the street. We talked about, we discussed, we were hoping to have, to have uh, Walmart here, but it doesn't matter whether it's Walmart or, or, or Target or, you know, one of these stores to get, get, people to 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 a walmart i mean yeah. you know if you don't have a car you you don't get to a walmart I mean, if you look at where some of the wall some walmarts do have bus service anybody yeah. ever look at, at at what the the disutility is of traveling by bus to and from a walmart versus the disutility of taking your car if you happen to have mm -hmm. one oh my mm -hmm. goodness it's not even close yeah. And of course, one of the comments that I unfortunately made repeatedly in it in the thing, you know, some of us who who do transportation, we have all these mode split models, you know, in which we say, oh, well, somebody's going to take this way to go there because of some disutility function that has all kinds of attributes to it. You know, every every mode split model basically in trying to determine whether you take a car or you don't take a car have or a function of whether or not you have a car. Exactly. You know, yeah. it has nothing to do, nothing to do with the attribute. You don't have a car, you don't get there. Okay? Yeah. You have a car. Now we can talk about whether or not you take the freeway, we wave, whatever that they do, da, 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 and all that kind of stuff. You don't have a car. You don't get there. I mean, it's like, it's the, 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 the tale of two cities that's involved in that story is just phenomenal. And we've been living with this, you know, thing forever. And, you know, some people say, oh, yes, uh, take the bus because uh, it's going to it's going to free up the freeway. Um, um, the reason people take buses is they don't have cars or they don't go. You know, I mean, it's and, and I don't know, we brought it out. And the beauty of the technology is, is that, geez, it might be able to do it. And 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 what was really nice is, of course, May Mobility brought a vehicle. I mean, New Jersey and New Jersey is a heck of a place to do this because New Jersey has not been in this business. 
Okay, I think up as I was uh, up to uh, this summit, I think there have been four so-called autonomous vehicles ever in New Jersey. You know, two of them were, were my DARPA challenges, which uh, they, mm-hmm. they, they sort of worked, uh, but certainly didn't do it. And then there, there was, you know, there was an Ollie. Um, and then uh, NVIDIA has been doing tests in New Jersey with, with their stack. But otherwise, and people were, people were actually given rides with an attendant in, in a, a autonomous vehicle on a public street in New Jersey. I don't think it ever happened before. So, you know, in terms of New Jersey, there was, but it wasn't about the technology. I mean, we're, I think that the, the assumption going into this summit, the assumption in the summit is that in an operational design domain, which is where and when this thing is going to offer mobility, it's a thing, it works. Okay, so it wasn't on whether or not it works. It's the why, to do what, for whom, how, or, and, and what operational level of service characteristics to do it, as opposed to worrying about whether or not you have high-definition maps, LIDARs, SMIDARs. I mean, we talked a little bit about those things, but that's not the issue. No, that's not the issue. Right. And we heard directly from from people uh, during the summit, especially the first day at Donnelly Homes. What does this mean to you? Well, I can get to the doctor. What is it? You know, or I can get to my friend's house. That's what it means. It has nothing to do with the technology. Getting from here to there. Yeah, right. And, you know, and of course, they're a little enamored and they look at it and so on as you would look at something else. But that that's not it. This is very, very simple thing, you know. Just wanting to be able to get there when I want to get get there. Otherwise, guess what I have to do? I have to I have to look up a schedule. I have to find which bus goes there. I have to do all this stuff. And if it, and and I better have all those things like correlate themselves. So you know the amount of planning and that I and focus. Whereas I don't know, I guess I, 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 I'm spoiled, you know. I decide I want to go something. I go. Off you go. The, the well, import, the, 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 I am so darn fortunate. So darn fortunate. So darn fortunate. And you know, and we have the opportunity with this, this to have more people also be. Equally fortunate, maybe not equally fortunate, but so certainly a heck of a lot closer fortunate. And somebody may be able to do it and be a reputable company with, with shareholders that are happy with the operation of the company, just like, I guess, you know, Coca-Cola is happy to make Coca-Cola that we consume. Mm-hmm. Michael, Michael, you yes. ended you ended your, your article by saying... The real work starts now. Yeah, the real work is is uh, well. It's already begun. <laughs> but it's we got to do it. <laughs> it's already begun. You know, the first the first step, of course, is is to to be able to get the money t- to provide the the, the cars the, to pay for the attendance to be able to put the the, the kiosks in place. Well, you know, and everything else around it, insurance, the, the the whole package. And Alan has been working with his with his group for quite some time now, putting a budget together. 
but it's 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 getting the 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 seed money to put into this to get to get things started but the support is all there so what are the what are the chances that this is going to start happening ellen well i mean let me let me just add a little bit to that to me the fundamentals of this business i i i I call it a lemonade stand. You know, it's just like if you're starting a lemonade stand business, you know, you, you want to produce units of lemonade to consume. And you, you, um, and, and, the, and the thing that you're producing here is mobility. That's the unit. And to me, the, the beauty about this, 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 this system is that as it grows, the cost of providing a unit, a glass of lemonade, a unit of mobility goes down. And the quality of the lemonade, maybe the sugar content improves for, for is, is, is even better. The network effects of having it bigger, the more places you can go, the more, more ride sharing you can do, the more environmental uh, sustainability, all that stuff gets better. Oh my goodness. I mean, th th that's, that's the fundamentals of a successful business. What you're producing gets better and cheaper as it grows. That's why people invest in things. And well, this thing is, is, is in, to me, and so it should be able, it should be able to do this if we can get it started. Yeah. And that, that the seed money right now, the seed money needs to come from somewhere. It's either going to come from a, from a, a, a wealthy private person, or it's going to come from the, from the federal government. It's going to most likely department of transportation, hopefully. Uh, but there needs to be, an investment made by someone right. to get, you know, to put things in place. Like any venture entity, you know, that you, you follow the J curve. That's why you take, that's why you take investment is because in the beginning, it's tough to get productivity out of the thing. So you need that to then get it. And as that get becomes better and, and, and feeds on itself, you know, you've, fundamental yeah. j curve now whether it comes from philanthropy or whether it comes from from all the people that already do the venture in there and and so on or the or the government or the combinations um you know one, one very of the much things, an upfront cost one of one of the things that that there are a lot of people who don't believe in this whole concept they, they right. think that that you know driverless cars are going to be for rich people and and you know, they're going to chauffeured without a without a chauffeur so you have a you have a chauffeured car without a chauffeur so you have it less expensive and you get to do what you did when you were a kid be chauffeured around by your parents that's where they think the money is fine yeah. there may be a business in that go off go off and do it um i think there's there are a lot of individuals on a, on the other side of the of the spectrum who may believe that this is this is a band-aid it's not really solving the problem because if everybody had a really good job and could earn a lot of money they could buy their own cars or whatever they needed to do and they could get to wherever they wanted to go they're missing a huge point not everybody can work 
not everybody can buy a car. Not everybody can, even if they, even if they had the money, not everybody can drive a car. I've got, I have people in my family who will not drive a car, very smart people, uh, both here and in the United States. Um, and they're 15 year olds. <laughs> and they're, yeah, well, you know, 15, 15 well, but, year olds. They're not allowed yeah. to drive. There are okay. entities that are not yeah. allowed to drive. I, I don't want to go to 15 yeah. year olds. Yeah. I, I know about, you don't, but yeah, but, yeah, but, but there are again. people who need, there are people who need to make a living to be able to support themselves. 15 year olds have parents and the parents need to be able to, to do what they need to do to be able to get them to get to their kids to wherever the kids need to go. So, I, I mean, I, I, I appreciate the fact that there are kids that need to go to school and, the, and getting there is, is, a, is a problem. But if our schools were, well, I, don't, I don't wanna go there, but, but I will. If our <laughs> schools, if we didn't build regional schools or if we didn't have to build regional schools because we couldn't afford to have private uh, public schools close to everybody like I had when I was growing up and you had when you were growing up, I never got on a bus. <laughs> I, I walked to school, even if when I had to go to high school, it was two miles away. I walked to school. But Mine that, was that's 22 a, miles uphill in the snow. Yeah, Never that's, a, that's another ways. issue. <laughs> there are people who don't believe there's a business to be made in this. And I think what the, this pilot project has as, as one of the objectives is to show how it can be made as a business. Mm -hmm. So there, there are a number of objectives yeah. that need to be that, that are part of this. We don't have the you don't you don't have all the answers right now. You've got we've got a lot of questions and there are a lot of questions that people are asking. And I'm what I'm saying here is that this is an opportunity to show that it solves a problem that needs to be solved. And it's potentially, and we'll we'll see, potentially a business that can be self-sustaining and provide benefits to society. It would right. be nice if we didn't have to do this. It would be right. terrific if everybody, you know, some people say if you give everybody, if everybody had a guaranteed, you know, minimum income, then we wouldn't be worried about this because they could buy their own cars. That's yeah. not that, who's going to pay in the end. Who's going to pay for that? Yeah. Yeah. There are a lot of the utopias out there. I think this deals with with uh, with until we get to one of those. And it also it has a lot of what I call ands. It does this and does that, and does that, and does that. And if in fact, you know, we really focus on the real need, then when we do that, then, hey, again, the equity thing says, hey, bring everybody else along too. I yeah. mean, you know, it's it's not that it's not that we have to do more. That that's kind of the beauty of this thing. It almost seems, you know, Elizabeth says, you know, what do you, where's the snake oil you're getting that you're trying to sell to people? It can't be all that good. But the amazing thing is, is that it's it's all there. It's all there. It's all there. We just have to do it. And and I guess to that end, it was great to have Jeff Brandis from from Florida. He said, you know, in Florida, hey, you you have this, you have insurance, enough insurance to cover, you know, uh, whatever fix up you may need to do in case something bad happens. I mean, something, unfortunately, nothing's perfect. And so you do have to have insurance to clean up a little mess that you might make. Come down here and do it. And I think, you know, and it turns out New Jersey may not be that different from that. So in a sense, we should just do it. 
and 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 and, I, and people like like these you know these companies they're either very close or they can do it waymo and gm can come to trenton and just do it yeah ford well. probably can too zooks may be able to too maybe mobility isn't all that far well come on let's do it Again, the, the reason for the attendance in the vehicles in New Jersey is because that deals with the sociology of this thing. Those of us that have been dealing with the technology, oh my goodness, I mean, you know, we've been to Disneyland, we can ride, I mean, of course. But, but the customers, they haven't. They have to become acclimated. We have to fit this thing in properly into society. So it's 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 accepted and not rejected. We can't assume that from the get-go that the people are oh geez, Michael, Fred, and Alan are coming in here to save the day. I mean, you know, <laughs> they don't look at us that way. How, how about this as a as a as a, an example of largesse? when it comes to something that, that a large number of people believe to be an answer versus what we're discussing here. How much money has the federal government of the United States, Germany, Britain, France, Italy, I know Sweden, and certainly Norway, spent in giving money away to mostly people who are wealthy to buy an electric car. No how comment. much how much have they lost? How much have these governments lost in tax revenue by giving away essentially tax that they don't collect because someone has bought an electric car? I know how much it I know how much it's worth here because I just bought a non-BEV and the difference. In, in the excise tax that I paid versus what I would wouldn't have paid is something in the in the vicinity of of a thousand dollars. So here we're here we're discussing how we can give money to people by letting them keep the money in their pocket and by the but the same token being able to do something that they they couldn't do before. If the bus solved the problem, we wouldn't be having this discussion. You know, say, that is, say, say it again, because, you know, it, it, it's what people don't don't realize. If the what bus solved the problem, we wouldn't be having this discussion. We would have done it 50 years ago. We would have yeah. done a long time ago. I mean, it, you know, it, it's it, New Jersey Transit. New Jersey Transit is a great institution. It does a great thing. Yeah. But but it, it and it's wanted to do this. It's sent, it's supposedly provide provide mobility for everyone in New Jersey, and and it's done the be, It's done a darn good job. Yeah, it has. But, but it hasn't done this. But it's not good enough. But it, it really isn't good enough. No, it isn't. It and buses, really isn't good. Buses enough. don't solve these this problem. They don't solve the problem of people being able to get to where they need to go, who can't get there and don't have their own car. It's just, 
And, and then the other criticism is, well, you know, if we just got rid of all the cars, then we'd have equality because then everyone would have to take the bus. Everyone would have to take the subway. <laughs> everyone would have to take what, you know, get on scooters and bicycles and everything else. Yeah. If yeah. we took the, if we took the elevators out of the Empire State Building, you know, that everybody would have to walk up. Yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> guess how much <laughs> rent, guess how much rent you would collect from the 14th floor, uh, from the people that, that, that use the 14th floor. Zero. Yeah. yeah. Nobody would get there. You wouldn't have built it. You don't have it. And, and there's, there's discussions also appropriately. So, you know, in the United States, it's great if you deal with, with mobility in cities, or in the rural area, you know, the sort of the middle, it assumes that you live in a suburb, you're a rich guy and you have your own car and you're taking care of yourself and you're actually the problem. Yeah. Um, uh, the rural, there's only these things could possibly provide mobility in rural areas. The diffusivity and time and space associated with the mobility requirements of that, there, there's no system that you that 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 that's functional, flexible enough that, that could all come and meet the needs and demands out there. So your only hope to go to even low is this way. Now you know it's not very pretty because you know you don't have very high average vehicle occupancies and people will say oh my goodness what's the energy consumption and blah 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 environmental impact of the, all those things i mean but but those those folks who live in in the lower density areas also deserve some mobility opportunities besides having to deliver it only for themselves. Now we might say, well, you shouldn't have moved out there. What are you doing living in the, in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey? I think if you look at the income distribution of the folks that live in the Pine Barrens of New Jersey and in places like that in New Jersey, I, I, that distribution is, is, isn't very pretty. Probably some very rich ones, but there are an awful lot of poor ones. And then if you look at where where the, the, the mobile home communities are in New Jersey or in the nation, where have they mm -hmm. been put? They're not next to, you know, right next to Quaker Bridge Mall. They're not right next to Princeton University. <sighs> They're in, you know, low-valued land someplace, and um, and um, and affordable housing. It's the only way you can find affordable housing. But the mobility that you need to support that affordable housing with the is is expensive mobility at this point, unless you provide some. Other means, you certainly can't provide bus service out there. That's a that's a good it's, time, I think, to, uh, to, to, yeah. to, yeah. to break here, Alan. Uh, we've made some great points about it. We also want to remind people with the dispatcher, there's lots more in there. In the in the new edition of the dispatcher, you're taking a look at the NHTSA report that uh, we talked about in the previous podcast here. 
And uh, there's another piece you take on The Economist and an article advocating congestion pricing for vehicles entering certain downtown areas. And uh, that's, a, that's, a, that's a good piece, too. They're all good. <laughs> yeah, they're always uh, all good. <laughs> I, as, as my readers know, over the last almost nine years now, I come back to the, uh, to the issue of congestion charging, road, to, road tolls, call it, what you, call it what you will. And the economist, the economist is every now and then the, the same journalist comes back and, and starts talking about a problem, a transport problem. And his answer is always like the, the father on, on my big fat Greek wedding, which I say in the, in the uh, issue here. I, I don't know if you, did either of you see the movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding? Yes, the, the yeah, answer is always Windex, right. <laughs> yeah, his, his, solution, his solution to everything. My, I have a, my, my, you know, my brother-in-law, um, he's, he's a great guy, he's a fireman. And uh, you know, firemen, if the best philosophers I've known have been either baseball players or, fi or firemen, because they, they firemen get to sit around and talk a lot, and then and they were extremely well informed about everything because everybody came with a with an idea, and they're 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 always close to one way or another. They're always close to politics because, in the, at least in the United States, you know, the fire chief is someone who's a political appointee, but. He, uh, he had he had one with with um, with um, Lysol. You know, somebody came in and said, you know, we have to take your comp your computers out of here because they they've got uh, they've got they've got a bug in them. You know, they've they they've been um, you know, and and he said, well, you know, why don't why don't we just spray them with Lysol and just take care of the problem? <laughs> the computer virus, right? <laughs> Yeah, and and his you know his solution his solution was always Windex is is it'll just it'll cure everything and and it's like if there's a problem with transport whatever it is congestion charging will solve the problem without thinking about what are the external effects this is the economist I mean these guys are supposed to be people who know what how how economics work and for some reason this 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 is a real blind spot with them. They do not understand that not everybody who drives a car is rich. And if you're able to afford a car and you, and you have a car for work, oftentimes, and I know this from, from people who have, who have nannies living across the, the, the city of Washington, D.C. from them, if they don't have a car, they can't get to the two or three jobs that they have that start at six o'clock in the morning and end some something like 10 o'clock in the evening to be able to afford to pay the rent for their for their kids living in some place in Washington DC and if you put you put tolls on them it's just an, ex, an added expense that ends up being they either they can't do the job they can't take that extra job they have to take the bus they can't make make it to to the the connections and if something goes wrong, you know, they end up losing their job. They don't understand this. The people in The Economist just don't get it. They must live in Mayfair, close to where The Economist is or was. I mean, it was on St. James Street someplace. It's like, it's a complete blind spot on their part. So if there's an opportunity, I try to come back and at least put it in print one more time. <laughs> Tolls are not fair. 
It's a, it's a regressive tax that does all the bad things. And this is directly related to what we're talking about here. If people are able to finally get a job and to be able to afford their own car so that they can do more things than just get from home to work as they can, will it hopefully be able to do with, with the, the proposal that's that been put forward in, in Trenton Moose. And then you slap on top of them additional costs, more, more costs for fuel, more costs for, for traveling. And, you know, at, at some point in time, it's just too much. And, you, and, and they can't afford it. And the car goes, the car goes out the window and, and well, not goes out the window, but the car goes, <laughs> the car, the car goes back to the part, to the, to the, uh, to the car lot and you're stuck again. So, yeah, I have, I have friends, I have friends and, and acquaintances who, who will, who will argue to the death on this same point, but I won't give in. Sorry. So you're not a fan of Bill Vickery, huh? And and the great Nobel laureate and whatever. But um, poor Bill, I think he's he may be the he passed away between the time that he was named Nobel laureate to before he could receive it. My goodness. Okay. And um, well, I, I don't know anyway, Bill, and I don't know his I don't know his yeah, points. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, but his you know, on... in dealing in dealing with the congestion pricing, or I always yep. called it. <laughs> I always thought, why do you call it congestion pricing if you're if you're favoring something? Why do you give it such a bad name? Why don't you mm. call it value pricing? I mean, if you call it value pricing, I mean, to me that has a positive connotation. Congestion pricing. Whenever you anybody, or when I say congestion pricing, my shoulders go in. Oh my goodness, I'm like yeah. defensive. Whereas value pricing, I'm providing you value through this thing. You might be able to sell it. It's, it's, the, it's the same. It's the same road. It, 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 it's the it, same road. I'm not. You don't I, get anything better. You don't I, get. I, I, you I know, I'm just <laughs> trying to sell it. I, if I was on the selling side of the of the concept. You're absolutely right. I mean, it, it, it implies that, that, in fact, you, you have such, such opportunities in your life to be able to change easily what you want to do. And a problem in and, and all that stuff also is assumed some sort of continuum that exists in a neighborhood such that you can shift. But for mm -hmm. many people, it's it's not a continue. It's it's not it, it, the, the the derivative is discontinuous. There's a jump discontinuity there. You really have to go there. It is really important to your life to go there. You don't have the flexibility to do what somebody else might do and say, oh, my goodness. And then everybody wants to talk about these things as, of course, you know, as a, as some sort of a, of a nonlinear optimization program. And we, we get into all kinds of stuff when we talk about all that stuff and the math of it and whatever. And it, it, it just goes. Yep. Anyway. Before, yeah, we're, we're sort of running through time. But yeah, I, I yeah. want to one point that I do want to make is in the in the musings session section um eyes on the backstory the evolution of digital maps and and uh, advanced driver assistance systems um hopefully on tuesday i'll be able to give a a um a, a talk a 20th anniversary of the the adasis forum advanced driver assistance systems interface specification which was founded 20 years ago um leading up to that there was a, a group of people who were invited by then NAVTEC 
navigation technologies to, to discuss an idea of, of um, electronic horizon. You know, is it a good idea? We thought it was a good idea. We brought the idea to Ertico and Ertico has managed the Adas's forum ever since then. Um, in this talk, what they asked me is to, to give my thoughts on what the future of, of digital maps and digital maps in the context of, of ADAS. And thinking about what I would talk to, what I would say to, to this group, some of whom are probably still there from 20 years ago, but there are lots of, of new people who have come in. And knowing that the people who work in this are people who are who understand the technology, who know really know digital maps, who know how to make maps a sensor in a in a vehicle. But my thought on this is having started with the first time seeing a digital map was was when I was at university at Princeton University in my graduate years with the dime files which which eventually led to the tiger files and those the, those census data were used as the basis for a lot of the of the the first digital maps that were used in navigation system yes and and you know thank you very much us government um but the backstory to that is that dime files were set up to to enable better definition of voting areas. That was the purpose of this. And so what I've, what I've done is I've divided this, this article into two parts. The first part is what I'm going to say to the group in Brussels, if I can get down there because of I may not be able to get down there because the, the air pilots, the pilots on the Brussels air are not flying, have decided to go on strike. But the back, the backside is a, is a, a linear from 1960, 1970 until 2022, my thoughts on the backstories of each one of these developments, which the front story is the GPS, the front story is you know, digital maps, navigation systems, but there's a backstory. And taking that to what the message is, what's more important right now than technology, whether or not you've got a camera or, or LIDAR, is what's happening in the government. The government, both in the governments, both in the, in the United States and in Europe, are beginning to think that it's their right and it's their purpose to determine what data people should be able to use and how people should be able to use it. And Europe, the, the, the new data, the data act and the potentially the, the follow on to that data act will be access to vehicle data, to vehicle data. And in the United States, and I, I wrote about this with the department of justice and, and the, um, Federal Federal Trade Commission deciding that that companies like Google and Facebook and the, and these large companies need to be broken up because they're they're um, they're not competitive they're they're they inhibit competition. This is going to have an enormous impact on how data is given to vehicles and how data is coming out of vehicles. And in, in Europe, they're trying to define exactly how things will be happening in the vehicle. This will affect whether or not we have advanced driver assistance systems. One more thing, between the time I wrote this article 
and now it's going to press. I'll have to come back next time. The NHTSA has, has just released a report on data that they've collected from crashes that have been reported as a result of, of NHTSA a year ago or almost a year ago saying, you have to give us information about whether your advanced driver assistance system has functioned or not functioned. And you have to tell us why. And they've, they've gotten a lot of data, which is good, very good, that's happening. But at the same time, politicians are, are, are talking like, well, we really, we need to get this under control. This unit, this, or, this, this industry, the car industry is out of control. This is a quote, out of control. We need to get control in this. Giving instructions to Nietzsche, to, the, to, the, to uh, Stephen Cliff, the, the first guy that's been there for some time who seems to know what he's doing and is going to try to do something well. These are the things that are going to have the greater impact, not whether someone comes up with LIDAR or someone comes up with a new way of, of managing an algorithm that will be better positioning. And these are the kinds of things that will have the most impact on how advanced driver assistance systems up to driverless vehicles will be able to be put on the on the roads. And this is going to affect Trent Moves. It's going to affect what's going on with all of these companies that have billions of dollars invested in them, as well as all of the car companies today who are, who are working very hard to make the car safer by, by putting in driver assistance systems. So I just want to put in a pitch for get to the end of the, of the issue for those who read it and uh, spend a little time on, the, on that last article, Musings. Terrific, Michael. Thank you. Now, we'll be back, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. To get more info, head to MOTOETF.com. On the website, we should point out it's a good idea to read the white paper. It's called The Smart Transportation Revolution. You'll find it under the Insights and News tab. Some good information there to help you make informed decisions about investing ETFs, as you may know, can be a good way to spread risk with investments. Maybe focus on a particular category of stocks. That website, again, is MOTOETF.com. We are back with more of Smart Driving Cars and our guest, Michael Senna. Let's turn to some other headlines in the latest Smart Driving Cars newsletter, Alan. Uh, NHTSA has given approval to freight technology company Einride, to, I think they're from Sweden, to operate autonomous electric transport vehicles on U.S. public roads. These, I think, are, are pods on wheels, more or less, with remote operators monitoring them. What are your thoughts? Um, I was shocked. Okay, I was just shocked. I, I, I didn't know NHTSA could do that, but maybe they can. Um, I didn't know that that's all one needed to do to put a driverless vehicle out there is to get NHTSA's approval. I'm just wondering how NHTSA approved it. Did they go, did they do some tests on it? Did they check to see whether or not the darn thing works? Did they, I mean, I, I, I read that and, and I'm, I'm like sending emails all over the place. What am I having the most senior moment that I've ever had? I, 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 did I miss the fine print? I, 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 mm, mm. Yeah. 
Nietzsche has, nothing to, Nietzsche has absolutely nothing to do with, with whether a, a car is driving or a bus or a, a truck, whatever, is driving somewhere in, in uh, where, is, where is the test going to be? Where are they, where are they, they providing the test? They didn't say anywhere. It's it's not, it, 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 no. the implication on public, <laughs> public roads. On, on public yeah. roads. I mean, I'm waiting for it to come down Cleveland. I mean, you know what I had, what, what we had to do or what I thought we had to do to have uh, to make sure that the uh, May Mobility didn't get into trouble if they gave some rides, even with an attendant in their vehicle down down a street in Princeton, which they did, you know, I got the mayor to put two policemen, one on one and we, you know, but all I had to do is go to NHTSA and NHTSA did that. And, and apparently GM Cruise has been out there trying to get the federal motor vehicle carrier, whatever to approve them to put a vehicle out there without a steering wheel and these guys and remotely operated. I have, I, 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 but maybe I guess I don't know. Maybe Brad Templeton. I should, I should send Brad Temple. Brad Templeton runs little pods down sidewalks. I think. I, I don't know. I, I didn't. I, I, I'm looking for the smoke and mirrors, and I, I'm. Hey, geez. He's breathless. Look at this. I'm breathless. I mean, I didn't realize how stupid I was, but I guess I'm stupid. That's sorry, folks. Moving along, uh, Zook's co-founder and CTO uh, Jesse Levinson is saying the company has completed what's called a critical checkpoint in robo taxi testing with a vehicle, no human on board, operating on open private roads, with pedestrians and other types of vehicles on the move on these private roads. I guess to make it uh, more like real world well um yeah i guess it is an achievement but i guess as i also put in there it it really really isn't because um because first of all these folks should realize that there should be no testing being done without an attendant on board why i mean what Who's going to be impressed by that? I mean, what you're impressed with is that you 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 have no disengagements or no necessary disengagements. Okay. I mean, all you have to do is show that is show that the thing that you had a person sitting there and they didn't do anything. And therefore the thing works, but, but you're going to do that by pulling the person out of there and you're going to accept the risk associated with that. You're going to allow a vehicle to travel on a roadway in Arizona and, 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 and not be worried if the attendant is just sitting there watching Hulu that poor woman is being prosecuted, apparently. I think she's still being prosecuted for that. I mean, that's just total. It, it's, at least it was done on a private road. But no, who's going to be impressed by that? I don't it know. It's, it's certainly, not, it's it not, shouldn't it, be allowed. It, it, it's, well, it should it, just not be allowed. Well, whether it's allowed or not allowed, I mean, the corporate uh, um, responsibility 
due diligence to the shareholders shouldn't allow that. Why? You're saving, you, you didn't have to pay somebody to do a test? The reason you take a driver out of a vehicle and do driverless is so you can provide high quality mobility affordably to have a chance of being able to deliver it to people on infinitum without continuously asking for subsidy for it. If you have it, why do you need this technology? If you have an attendant on board, if you can afford the attendant, do that. Don't pay for the LIDAR, SMIDARs, the high definition maps, who knows what, or any of that stuff. Provide the mobility out there. But we know that we can't do that because we haven't done it over the past hundred years when we could. And the only hope in providing the mobility, the only reason you do this is to try to get to a point in which this, this affordability issue, the opportunity to really do it and do high quality of it is without a person. But that's on a deployment side. That's not on the testing side. If I'm testing, I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. I didn't touch it. Tell me, Zooks, that you did that in Seattle, where you have vehicles operating for whatever. You know, show me the, the, the graph that shows that exponentially going to zero or getting smaller without gaming the thing. And of course, you know, we had VW game environmental, you know, quality with respect to vehicles. We don't want to have companies gaming the system to, to show a better result with respect to safety. And so out there in your operational design domain that you're dealing with, with trying to provide mobility in Seattle, just sit there and report what the disengagements were. And I only, only want to know about the necessary disengagement. If there's a disengagement because the driver felt like, oh, I, I, I want to drive, or the driver intervened and really wasn't need, didn't need to be intervened because he or she freaked out and didn't need to freak out, and they were in error, those don't count. The system worked great. That's fine. But, you know, the pulling driver, are you kidding me? In the test, are you kidding me? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. A <laughs> couple of other quick headlines, Alan. Uh, Cruise is now charging for driving or uh, vehicle rides with passengers in San Francisco, completely driverless. Uh, that's another step for them. That's, that's an enormous step. Providing mobility, a service out there in San Francisco for a charge. And I, I know, you know, GM's rich. They can probably, you know, subsidize a service for at least a little while. But darn it, if that thing isn't, that doesn't have some economic legs underneath it, it's not going to survive. And that's the reason why GM Cruise took the driver out. Not to say, oh, look, mom, no hands. Or for some Sunday supplement or some, you know, clickbait someplace. 
I think. <laughs> and finally, the CEO of Ford, Jim Farley, said this month that revenue from connected vehicle services will net the company $20 billion a year by 2030. And the numbers get even bigger with the new Ford Pro commercial business. And uh, I don't think you're surprised by this. No, I mean, we've been saying it's from the beginning. We had three kinds of vehicles. We have safe driving vehicles, uh, self-driving vehicles, and driverless vehicles. The safe driving vehicles had all the everything to do about safety. The self-driving had everything to do about comfort and convenience. And, we, and we've argued in this thing from day one, you know, put some, uh, how do you sell cars? You put, put the chrome and fins on them. I mean, that's, that's, that's what the, that's what the, the mad men taught, taught us. And, you know, the stuff is the chrome and fins. It's so, it'll sell cars. It, it no, apparently sorry. is. Sorry. No? Okay. No. 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 It's no, not going to sell I, cars. I don't. And I, I was, re- when I, when I read this, I said, you know, I, I might expect this from from the guy from Dyson who came, who's the new guy from for uh, new CEO for Volvo. But I certainly wouldn't expect this from somebody who's been in the business for a while, unless you know, unless somebody's pushing him to do this. I mean, two people, um, Jack Nasser and and um, what's his name, Mrs. Mrs. Cookies, Fields. Mrs. Fields, yeah. Mark Mark Fields. Uh, they both lost their jobs because they they were pushing Ford into an area where Bill and company don't feel comfortable, and they didn't want to get into the the telematics. And Jack Nasser said, you know, "The car is just going to be a telephone on wheels." And the next thing they they did was put some wheels on him and, and pushed him out the door. <laughs> Mark Mark Fields basically said the same thing, and the next thing he knew, he had you know, Mister. The guy with the sweater um, taking over his job, and you know he's now he's doing something else. In the last issue, I, I talked about Mercedes and, and BMW. After all of the efforts that they've been making to to be in the mobility as a service business, one after the other, they closed they closed them down. They merged them individually, and then they finally the two companies merged their their businesses into one. Uh, run by Mercedes and, and BMW together, and and now they've just sold the whole shebang to Stellantis, you know. And and the last company that I can see, the, the Chrysler and Fiat, they were they were the last of the of the of the companies even to get into connected services to be able to take this and do something with it. I don't think that a car company is going to be talking about earning billions of dollars in services if they don't sell cars. And the only thing that Ford has been doing is selling fewer and fewer cars. So I, I just don't know whether he was trying to, to, to pump the, the stock up or whatever he was trying to do, but that the guy, the guy on the West Coast now in Texas, who's, who's passing, will, will soon pass Ford in the number of cars that, that they sell, Tesla, knows he's in the business of selling cars. That's all, it, that's what he does. He, and, he, and he goes to wherever he needs to go to build factories as quickly as he can to build cars, to be able to sell cars. Yes, he does sell services. And yes, that is part of the business, but you don't sell those services unless you sell the cars. So 
Sorry. Well, I, I agree with you about about the the selling of the cars, and I I was talking more about the ADAS features instead of maybe the communications features, and whether and, and it seems as if they're coming in the cars and people are buying them. I don't know. It seems like uh, um, uh, some of those folks are are having a, a pretty good success at, at at adding those on, and of course they all look at Elon. Elon's like supposedly getting twelve thousand bucks out of people to. Uh, uh, for full self-driving, and they must be wondering how in the heck is he they they doing that when they go I'll tell in you how, the I'll cars. tell you how he's, I'll tell you how he's doing it. Uh, well, no, it's, the 12, it's the twelve thousand dollars that they didn't have to pay for the car. Yeah, that they, that, you know, yeah, because no, no, the government that, because the government paid paid that paid, part. Paid, and, paid that you know, part. And I says, well, sure, yeah, I'll yeah. throw it. I'll I'll throw it in anyway because that's yeah. what I expected. You know? No, I wasn't I, expecting it to get twelve thousand <laughs> back from the Norwegian yeah, government yeah, or the U.S. government or. Yeah, whatever yeah, government yeah, yeah. so so yeah. that's all in there but i guess my other point was that uh, that I, I don't see these i don't see these companies uh, becoming uh, the ultimate riding machine i don't think anybody is saying that they're the they're, they're still the ultimate driving machine yeah uh, they're all the ultimate driving machine and the driving piece of it and the individual ownership piece and this selling this stuff coming out of the showroom or the or whatever whichever room you buy them and it and that they're then your responsibility and and you go maintain them and 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 please bring it in and trade it in for the next model i think it's still the it's still the fundamental business of of car man of, of the oems yes it is and it and, is and it is and, and it's not going to go away and and we love it and, and we as consumers i would say we love it because we're out there doing it and, and even with all the complaints about it the, some people go through i mean i think now leases are going up to like seven years or something like that because interest rates went up or something like mm. that that you can still yeah. for 229 a month you can have now who knows what the down payment is and what i don't know i haven't looked at them but um and 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 we all do everything we can to afford them why because they provide us such a value proposition so much freedom so much opportunity that that you know we we as individuals look at it oh, my goodness i got to have one not you know yeah. the, the, it, it's it's just enormous and you look at you just look at us that have them and you talk to some people who don't their lives are substantially different. And it's not just because they live in the center of Manhattan, as Michael very clearly pointed out, those people living in the center of Manhattan, they have their car stored in some basement, you know. Actually, if you want to buy a good used car, you go to, to, to Manhattan Mercedes and get one that's just been turned in for three years. It has two miles on it, it's like a mm -hmm. brand new car. Somebody's been yes. storing it in a in a Manhattan high rise for yes. three years. That's where you want to get your used car. Well, thanks. I, for, thank I, you for I, the I tip. Am not, I am not being paid by man. I actually bought one there. I bought a three-year-old car that had, that had ten thousand miles on it. Mm -hmm. 
Well, Mike, Michael, <laughs> I really uh, want to thank you for, for spending time with us again. Always, always terrific. Love your, your insights and in, in throughout all of this. My pleasure. I love being yep. with you. Yeah, well, we love discussing it. I think, look, this is, this is not easy stuff, okay? Because if it was easy, it would have been done. And there are a lot of very good people that have worked in this field for a very long time, and they're not bad people. It's just that we may have a couple, couple of things available to us that we can really take advantage of that might make a difference. So let's do it. Great. On that thank note, you. thank you to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO, and more info is available at MOTOETF.com. Technical support is provided by CARTS, the Corporation for Automated Road Transportation Safety, a 501c3 nonprofit dedicated to safe and high-quality mobility for all. You can find us at smartdrivingcar.com, on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, wherever you get podcasts from. A smart speaker can play us too. You can find my tech reports at textination.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening or watching. Please continue to stay safe. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Michael.